Harrison Price for Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Coming to you from the GoGoat Sports Studio, built by our built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you have reason to be in downtown Vancouver, why don't you make it a staycation? Call the Wall 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Sasset and Switches, conducting things alongside intern Lachlan Irvin. Big show coming up, and it's all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. And, you know, when it comes to cars, best sellers are best sellers for a reason. They look good. They feel good. They work. The Nissan Rogue is just that. Head to the Richmond Automobile. Applewood Nissan in Richmond will get you financed up on a new Rogue for 3.99%. Plus, there's a winter tire offer there where you buy a set of partner brand winter tires and get up to 170 bucks off. How about them apples? Applewoods, that is. It's all good at Applewood. <laughs> Poll question today. Will Jake Gensel be a Canuck? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikarison Price on Twitter or YouTube. ESPN's Emily Kaplan reporting that the Pittsburgh Penguins winger and Sidney Crosby line mate, a very real chance that he gets dealt and that the next few weeks are going to be crucial. The Pittsburgh Penguins are amongst a large group of Eastern Conference teams hovering right around the playoff bar. Have you actually looked at the East and how tight it is? Islanders right now hold the top wild card at 46 points, Tampa at 45, but they both have played more games than their pursuers. There are four teams, 44 points, or one point out of a playoff spot, Jersey, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Well, the Penguins are second last in the Metro. Mm-hmm. And they're five points out from second in the Metro. Right. And unlike a lot of those teams I just listed, the Penguins are a plus goal differential team at plus 15. They have 17 regulation wins, which is tied with Jersey for the best amongst that group as well. Now, looking further up the dial, you can find the Philadelphia Flyers there as well. And I know some people might suspect them to fall out of it. They have had a Darn good season to date, actually, given where a lot of people had them had them preseason. Uh, of course, Philadelphia just added a top four right shot defenseman and Jamie Drysdale at the cost of nothing from their current hockey team in that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. big Cutter Goche trade. And incidentally, Cutter Goche went on a podcast and basically said it's a personal matter. Personal matter between himself, his family, his agent as to why he wasn't going to sign with the Flyers. Okay. Anyways, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, acquiring Jake Gensel is going to be expensive on two scores. Number one, his salary. Number two, the cost of acquisition. He's a $6 million player, $6 million cap hit before he's an unrestricted free agent this summer, 29 years old. He'll be 30 at the beginning of next summer or next season. And has been a very, very consistent goal-scoring offensive producing winger for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Canucks are going to have to move some salary back in this equation. This is, and I know everybody is familiar with the term dollar in, dollar out, but the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, are showing just $17,000 of cap space right now. The Vancouver Canucks have actually no cap space, although they do have some LTR. 
uh, LTI, LTIR um, availability, but it's not a lot, $330,000. So this is kind of a dollar-in, dollar-out trade here. Like, you're going to have to move salary back to the Pittsburgh Penguins or find a third-party broker here. So I know some of the combinations that people have looked at, uh, including our friends over at Donnie and Dolly, who are talking about Hoaglander. What is it, Hoaglander? Pogolza? Is that what it is? I think so. Yeah, yeah and yeah. a first. Well, first of all, I just, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that gets it that done. That probably doesn't get it done. How does the salary work? But that, that, that's nowhere close to working salary-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, even if the Penguins were to retain on the player, and of course, teams never have an appetite to retain, you sort of have to compensate them for that. The most you can retain is 50%. That makes them a $3 million player. Penguins are at the cap, too. So you're talking about two cap no, teams, it. basically. So it, it's got to be dollar in, dollar out for right. the most part. Or find a third party. Yeah. Find a third party broker. So realistically, from the Vancouver Canucks, it's hard to see a Gensel trade working without Andre Kuzmenko going back the other way because Kuzmenko is a salary that is appropriate in terms of offsetting the dollars that you'd be taking on. And that's where pure Gensel. rental thats where pure rental gets sticky for the Vancouver Canucks because uh, as much as I think a, a large segment of the fans wouldn't want to trade Wheelander or, or, um, or Lekromacki, um you know, if, if it's for a very good, uh, like, a, if it's for a very good player that has term, and maybe it's a 26-year-old player, 25-year-old player, something like that, you can wrap your head around it. You can yep, understand absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, you know, connects pushing chips into the middle. Before a pure rental, where in few months' time, you could have no Stanley Cup and nothing to show for any of the transaction, that's hard to take. We went down that w- road with Tyler Toffoli. Now hasn't come back to hurt too, too much because... Um, Tyler Madden has not not turned into an NHL player. They did give up a second-round pick in that deal as well. Now, you say the Canucks wouldn't be able to re-sign, and there's no question that the Canucks have uh, a lot of money either already committed or are going to be committed with Elias Pettersson and Philip Ronick ostensibly getting contract extensions. Moving Kuzmenko out doesn't change that equation for you? Uh, it does to some degree. You lose yeah. money on the OEL bump. Of course, you lose a couple million there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to think about all the guys that you're losing to UFA. And that is Bluger, that is Lafferty, that is Joshua Myers, Zadorov, and Cole. Right. Like, and DeSmith. Like, so, yeah, you could theoretically assign some of those monies to Resigning a guy like Jake Gensel, but then you've got to get guys on the minimum. Yeah, you gotta you gotta have a bunch of ELCs and guys on the minimum. So you are you a better team? Now I you know mm-hmm. depending on what this team does, this is the danger of like a second round exit for the Vancouver Canucks is that everybody's going to get shine for having brought the team to that. Mm-hmm. So all those UFAs that you just mentioned are going to say, "Hey, I was a big part in this. Mm-hmm. I want." Double what I got, or you know, seven hundred thousand dollar bump. And if you give every, if you give five guys seven hundred thousand dollar bumps, guess what? That's three and a half, four million dollars out the door. Well, and particularly since the two defensemen they have acquired, the bigger name defensemen they have acquired here in trades over the last year, 
What did we hear about Philip Ronick in Detroit? Oh, he's going to want a lot of money. Yeah. Alan Walsh just yeah. effectively tweeted as such, reading between the lines, chronicling his exploits. He's the number two defenseman behind Quinn Hughes in even strength points this year. Yeah. Philip Ronick. Do you guys really think he's going to get the $8 million that Saravalli thinks he's going to get? I mean, it'll be somewhere between seven and eight, I think. Yeah. I mean, Hughes is 7.85, so I could see that being the high water mark. Right. Yeah. Where the Canucks go, we the can't pay Detroit you more than Red Wings. Exactly. Yeah. But we'll give you term and we'll give you no, tr- we'll give yeah, you trade. So seven protection. and a half over X. So yeah. Like something like that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Nikita Zadorov as well, where his agent, Dan Milstein, has you know, tweeted the money signs. He's fallible and, enough, and I, I like the player a lot, and mm-hmm. he serves the purpose. Of, I, I just don't think you fall over yourself for Nikita Zadorov right. next year. So bringing in Gensel would be bringing in yet another unrestricted free agent that's looking to hit a payday yeah. in the summer. There is a calculus here. I voted no accordingly. This is why this year this playoff run is fascinating for the Vancouver Canucks. The, we praised the uh, the I just want to say Penguins management group. It's the Canucks management group, but they still Freudian. got yes. Um, we praised them for making all these peripheral deals in the this past summer because they were low risk. So, you know, all, a lot of them were one year deals, and we praised them for that. Here's the downside of all that: it worked. They were really good signings, and now the chances of running it all back. With the same economic constraints, it's impossible. So you do sort of have to look. And it's not a one-year window in terms of the core players, but in terms of the really good chemistry that they've got, the good culture that they've got right now, in that regard, it is a one-year window. Mm-hmm. Because now you got to go out next year probably and find a bunch of new Blugers, new Joshua's, right. and, that, and that sort of thing. It's going to be a tough task. Not to mention you'll be bidding against a good number of other clubs for Jake Gensel services. Yep. Like this is yep. a player for whom every team has interest. Some are going to have more capacity to add them than others based on their cap situation. I was just looking at playoff teams, Blake, and cap space. So Winnipeg and Carolina have cap space. And what do we always hear about Carolina? Uh, can't score enough goals in the playoffs. Yeah. Would this guy not help? They've made a number of deals with Pittsburgh over the years as well. Then the teams with a significant amount of LTIR space, and as we know, maximizing that LTIR space, and particularly if you know you're going to the playoffs and can hold big money guys out until then, it's a long list. Rangers, Tampa, Colorado, Vegas, Boston, L.A., they've all got loads of LTIR space. So... I think you're going to be in a very competitive environment trying to bid for this player's services. I think you're going to have to do something like Kuzmenko to offset the salary. And with the knowledge that Pittsburgh is going to tell you, we don't think he's a huge asset because the way he's playing. Someone like Hoaglander, first-round pick, maybe even a little more. Man, and then your winger depth is down. Exactly. So, so you got your pairs, which is good, and people mm-hmm. love pairs. You got your Besser Miller pair, you got your Pedersen Gensel pair in that in that iteration. Mm-hmm. But how are you fleshing out yeah. the rest of those lines? I, I just wonder if you wouldn't be better off going out and getting a couple of lower cost forwards. Yep. For that or as we have talked about this week as well, go get the second line center. 
which may also be expensive in terms of acquisition cost. Yeah. But if you're rent and people brought up Tarasenko and we have two, I mean, mm-hmm. that's going to be cheaper than, than Gensel. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what I, – I, I certainly do think the Canucks add. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's – I, this is not going to be a dry trade deadline or no, dry, dry no, I January, so. February for the Canucks. Well, they're going to add something. Uh, I, I do wonder whether they're going to add a little sooner than later because, as we know, Rutherford likes to be an early mover, doesn't mind setting the market. And, and, and that, Gensel won't be sooner rather than later. The Penguins are going to see right. what happens. Well, as Kaplan said, yeah. it, it, the next few weeks are going to be crucial. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact... Coming out of the break, you, maybe, you the almost, All-Star break? You almost wonder whether the Penguins take that one right up to the deadline. That you give Sydney and Malkin every opportunity right. to show themselves as a playoff team, even though if you were taking an objective look at that franchise, well, they haven't won a playoff series for more than a half decade. Like, this is not your older brother's Pittsburgh Penguins. Playing well right now, the seven two and one in their last mm-hmm. ten, and you know you go on another three or four game winning streak, and all of a sudden they are above the bar. So. If you are a Jake Gensel fan and think he's exactly what the Vancouver Canucks li- need, well, it's almost like a double whammy if they're able to beat the Pits- the Penguins in Pittsburgh nah. on Thursday. You advance the cause of further pushing the Penguins down that tight Eastern Conference playoff race, and of course you get a couple of more. You know, it does that even more like a decisive win, like you're not a playoff team kind of win over Pittsburgh. I'm just. I'm just letting that comment sort of wash over me for a second. January 11th, and we're talking about the wagon Vancouver Canucks <laughs> going into Pittsburgh. Teaching them a lesson. And showing multiple cup winners who's, who's yeah. who in the league this yeah. year. Yeah, and it could go the other way. You never know. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, no, but it, honestly, Blake, it occurred to me driving home yesterday because I spent three days here with you now, and I saw some of what you and Jeff were talking about last week when I was away. We're talking deadline additions, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't talked about this in a like long, long time. Freaking, like, other than the, t- we were talking about Toffoli before they made the Toffoli move. Mm-hmm. That was the one Canucks team that, at the midpoint of the season, looked like it could be a playoff team, right? And we also knew they needed some reinforcements, and we also knew that it wasn't a great deadline crop, and that Toffoli was probably one of the best players available in the rental market if not the best player available on the rental market winger uh, that year, and they went out and got him. But for a handful of years in the Sedin era, for a handful of years in the West Coast Express era, maybe not a handful, three anyway, for the West Coast Express, it was a fait accompli. Like you were adding something. Oh, you knew it. You knew it. It was just a matter of who. Absolutely. Especially in the pre-cap era. Like it was a little easier in the West Coast Express era because there's no cap. So it was just money out the door, so you were definitely doing it. Um, and but even with the Sydney's, like you knew something was happening. Names like Higgins and Lapierre. Do you remember Sammy Paulson? Sammy Paulson, yeah. Derek Roy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on and on it went. You knew the Canucks were beefing up. We just haven't had that discussion earnestly for some time. It's been fun, and it will continue to be fun uh, for better part of the next two months here as we approach the March trade deadline. Colorado Avalanche do Vancouver a favor. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights three buzz on Wednesday. And so you take a look at the Canucks now with regards to the Pacific Division 
six points up on Vegas in the same number of games played. Chance to go eight up with a victory against Pittsburgh on Thursday night. It is a busy night in the National Hockey League. you got games going on uh, all across the time zones, but Vegas is... No, Vegas uh, hosts... Vegas hosts the Boston Bruins tonight in the final game on the The closest card. team that could get, like, so if, if the Canucks just froze themselves at 41 games played, and we waited for everybody else to play 41 games, the closest anybody could get is the L.A. Kings winning the next four games <laughs> and getting to 55 points. And L.A.'s in Florida tonight against a pretty good Panthers Losers team. of six in a row already are the Kings. So the Canucks are emphatically, without a doubt, the Pacific <laughs> Division leaders, well, no caveats. Florida's won eight in a row. Versus six in a, six losses right. in a row for the Kings. But <laughs> the NHL is such a crazy league. Like, watch the Kings go out and blow yeah. them out. Hey, it's, it's a good team. The Kings are a good team. The other thing is, uh, uh, I've, I've seen this a fair bit on my timeline here. The Florida Panthers, uh, another team that has some cap space in, in terms of looking to add by the deadline. Discussions about well, are we going to pay Sam Reinhardt? Mm-hmm. Given that West Vancouver Sam Reinhardt, given that he's an unrestricted free agent, having a hell of a year, they've got some other unrestricted free agents there, including Brandon Montour and former Vancouver. Canuck, I know they've won a lot, but they line. should just trade Sam Reinhardt home. Maybe you know um, Kuzmenko in a third. I was going to say Raymond Ballard in a third. I mean, he, you know, he wants to be here, mm-hmm. so. Uh, some scoreboard watching on top of the Canucks and Penguins Thursday. Irfan Gaffar, who you're hearing now with Jeff Patterson on Rinkwide, he's stepped in as one of the co-hosts. And filling in on Canucks Convo. Oh, yes. That's I right. was just about it. to get there, Grady. Where are you now? Hmm. On Canucks Conversation yesterday says that one of the things that has prevented Elias Pettersson from re-signing to date has been stability within the organization. And outside of the rosiest colored glasses, this is kind of like a no-da. Elias Pettersson has watched a basket case franchise around him over his years in the National Hockey League, replete with you know, scandal, replete with just lack of direction, just self-inflicted wounds, just all sorts of unnecessary drama. What Aaron Rodgers was talking about with the Jets, even though he's contributing to it, a lot of that has plagued the Vancouver Canucks over Pedersen's tenure and is also adding his name to the chorus uh, with regards to a little upset about the people who have left the organization. And Grady, you can edify me if Irf specified a little a little more, but we talked about it. When you turn over staffs like strength and conditioning and athletic therapists, when you say goodbye, when you terminate the likes of Roger Takahashi, John Sanders, these are the players' confidants. These are the guys that players get very, very close to and in some cases believe believe them to be part of their individual success. It's their day-to-day, they're the too. guys that they're working with, either with Roger in the gym to get stronger, to get more flexible, whatever the case may be, or with guys like Sanderson treating an issue that they have with a knee or a shoulder or what have you. You know, like, for example, like um, Brian Red Hamilton. Like the twins are so close. 
you know, Patty and Brian on the equipment side count Canucks players as some of their closest friends and vice versa. Yeah. Right? Over history. So, yeah, I can understand how he's a little bit miffed at uh, different people leaving this organization. Of course, there was that disastrous free agent period when the Aquilini ownership group turned the taps off. And so you saw all these players, Markstrom, Tanif, Defoley, Stature, all leave. Not to mention staff, and there's been a lot of turnover within the corporate offices of Canucks Sports and Entertainment as well. Not to mention there's anytime you ask someone about the job postings board, there seems to be tons of openings. So stability is more there on the hockey operations side. I think that's fair under Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. Still think the Canucks have a ways to go in terms of stability on the business side of their operations. Then, of course, there are all these reports about the meeting between Pat Brisson and Patrick Alvine being out there in the public and how this was something that bothered Elias as well. Tell me, uh, Elias seems to be get. Does Elias strike you as somebody who gets bothered easily? Gets um, annoyed easily? We've seen this with questions in the past. Do you think that extends to other walks well, of? Well, I, I I know of reporters who have been brought aside by Elias Pettersson and questioned about, hey, I heard you reported on X. Um, I've got you know I I, I know that that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it surprises me because he was you know from the time he was drafted right on the draft floor when he came up and chatted with us. Mm-hmm. Um. He had a, and he has the sarcastic sense of humor as well. But when there's no flip side to it, like Kevin Bieksa had the sarcastic sense of humor, but then we give you thoughtful answers and 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 give you the other side to it. It can't only be, and and Kessler was uh, was guilty of this. It was only the sarcastic. It was only the pissed off and the sardonic. You know, like it was, and that doesn't work as well. And so th- there's there's a little of that with Pedersen, and I wish he would allow himself to be a little bit more sincere from time to time. That would be my only He quote. was in the first year. Yeah. You remember he talked about Botchford after winning his Calder Trophy. Yeah. He seemed like a really pensive, really mature, really thoughtful young guy. I, I do wonder whether the fishbowl of this market has changed him some. I have a feeling that Hey, losing, losing I think changed him. I have a feeling that mm. losing changed him. I yeah. have a feeling that NHL and hockey culture changed him a little bit. You know, as many will tell you, he used to be very active on social media and not as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And He's not streaming his video games anymore. Usually a little more beige, you know, when he does post to social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, it may well be that he just that this isn't the environment for him. I, I wonder if a little bit of joy in the playoffs changes that. I mean, that would yep. be the hope if I'm a Canuck mm-hmm. fan. If I'm at all worried about about his resigning, I would hope that some indelible yeah. positive memories um, help to change the, the price of bread there a little bit. Although right. he is such a smart guy, you know he knows the long-term future. Like everything we just talked about, about the Canucks UFAs and the change of the chemistry and the change of the room, he knows all of that. Yep. So as much as he may have fun in this playoff run, if it, if it is a playoff run, um, he's going to know it's going to be a probably a different team next year. Not mm-hmm. from on the core standpoint, likely, but the other 12 guys in the room might be dramatically different. Right. And so he's probably going to th- want to know a little bit of what that looks like. The one thing I'll say, and 
we say it all the time. Uh, it, it may be a more glaring and challenging market on a day-to-day basis when you're working and playing in a in a place like Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. But those who stay and win are legends. Mm-hmm. Those what? who stay and win become, well, put it this way. The Carolina Hurricanes won that Stanley Cup in, what, 2006, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of the lockout. I wonder how many people actually recognize Jim Rutherford on the streets of Raleigh today. Oh, none. Zero. Right. Yeah. Jim Rutherford were to win a cup here. He can walk a block in Vancouver. Matt, you don't even have to win a cup. Look at the 94 <laughs> yeah, and the fair. 2011 teams. They are fair. absolute legends <laughs> without the cup. Mm-hmm. You just need success. Yep. Um, well, this young man is hoping to be a legend and is off to a very good start in his professional hockey career. Surrey's Arsteep Baines is going to the AHL All-Star Game yeah, good for him. in San Jose. An undrafted Western Hockey League free agent led that loop in scoring. As an overager, which always gives us that asterisk. Hey, we always say, absolutely. oh, but he was an overager. Yeah. He should. Well, hey, you're a 20-year-old playing yeah. against 16, 17, 18-year-olds. You should look pretty good. But he had a really nice rookie year last year. Well, Third. the amazing part here, Blake, is for a guy who was a huge scorer in the Western League, he's made the transition into an all-around forward that he's going to have to be at oh. the prof- in the professional ranks. And you do wonder, after this latest accolade, whether Arshdie Baines at some point soon is going to get a call-up. Like, let me ask you this. Uh, have you seen enough from Linus Carlson to suggest he deserves more NHL games? Well, not this year anyway. No. Just a guy. And it's 29 points in 29 games for Baines. Uh, eight goals, so he's been more a playmaker. It was 38 points in 66 games in his first American Hockey League season. It was 112 points with the Red Deer Rebels, his final WHL season. Is it not time then? Like, if it's a meritocracy. He just turned 23 years old on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Let's see what he's got. I don't need to see Linus Carlson again. Yeah. Not right now, at least. Let's see what our Steve Baines has. I think of a guy like Frank Fratrano, who's a... An NHL All-Star this year. Yes, he is. And that was uh, quite a fun video, actually, that the Ducks put out. So he was uh, a nice college player, but 28 points in 36 games in his last year in college. A little fire hydrant guy, right? Plays with some passion. 5'11", 200. Um, he gets Did cup- they list him at 5'11"? Yeah. With a straight face. Cups of coffee with the Bruins. He had a 10-goal, 8 assists in 44-game season, but ultimately moves on to the Panthers, where he finds himself. As a 24-goal campaign, followed by 16, 18, 10 in reduced games. And now he's got a 29-point and 40-game campaign going for the Ducks. Like, could I see Arshdie Baines being that kind of a career arc? Yeah, if he sticks with it, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of a a career is there for him. Where maybe after, you know, impressing, 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 maybe he could be a 20-goal guy down the road and, Mm -hmm. and a responsible guy. Moving on to football. And an extraordinary 24-hour period. The three wise men, if you will, 
of this sport in the 21st century. And I would argue the three most consequential football coaches in the 21st century have all parted ways with the franchise that they are most identified with. Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks, winner of a Super Bowl, the first ever for the Seahawks, took them to two. Winner of two national championships at USC, came within a whisker of a third straight, not for the brilliance of Vince Young in that incredible Rose Bowl game of 2006. Yesterday, word out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that Nick Saban is retiring as the head coach of the Crimson Tide. Seven national championships, six at Alabama, universally regarded as the greatest college coach ever. And then today, the one and only Bill Belichick, the hoodie, with nine Super Bowl appearances, six victories as head coach of the New England Patriots. Belichick took no questions. But he sounded emotional, particularly when he was talking about the parades (laughs) and meeting Patriots fans far and wide. Pete was emotional yesterday as well. But I got to say, I couldn't believe how composed he was as that press conference went along. And I watched the entire thing on the Fox affiliate in Seattle, our buddy Ian Furness's channel. And, of course, Seattle basically stopped yesterday when Pete Carroll got to that podium. I saw many say felt like a funeral, a civic funeral. Uh, I, like I said, couldn't believe the composure. Like at one point yesterday, Blake, that press conference turned into life according to Pete Carroll, where he was talking to people about one of the things you got to do in life is know who you are, understand who you want to be, and project that to the world. It was his trademark motormouth pace. The thoughts sometimes were ahead of the mouth. It was enthusiastic. It was positive. It was authentic. As we have known over 14 years watching that man coach the Seattle Seahawks. He got asked what I thought were really tough questions and immediately had brilliant answers. In fact, when it went back to the studio at the Fox affiliate, one of the anchors said, I've got to say, that's one of the most remarkable press conferences I've ever seen in my life. It really was. He had full command of that room. He had full. He had the city of Seattle in the palm of his hand yesterday as he talked. And I think you can say that Pete Carroll changed football. Look, Belichick and Saban won championships to the degree and likes of which we've never seen. But I think you could also say that Pete Carroll changed coaching. Because one of the things that Pete Carroll, I think, was acutely aware of before a lot of people is that this generation is different. Their parents haven't yelled at them. They need nurture, nurturing, encouragement, and positivity. They need you to keep it fun. They need you to keep it different. Right? He talked about how he wanted to have something different for the guys every single day when they walked in the facility. And it had to be fun, and it had to be within the realm and spirit of competitiveness. So you see three-point shooting contests and all the different things that the they did. loud music nonstop. Oh. Uh, and and, and he, he, took, he bit off a lot, right? He brought in some problem children, if you will. Yep. Um, he, While he thought he could help everybody. Right. And, and uh, some of the time it worked. Some of the time it didn't. And they, they, you know, they stopped that. 
Um, but you can tell, um, you know, guys tweeting, guys, show, guys oh. showing up at the press conference. Geno Smith right there front and center uh, to see his coach say goodbye. Blake, a ton of ex-players flew into Seattle yesterday upon the news to go celebrate him last night. Yeah. As Greg Bell chronicled. So a lot of people think it's shtick. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just it's genuine. No, but because here's the thing. He was like that with the Jets. He was like that with yeah. the Patriots before he ever got to USC and Seattle. He talked... Boy, we've talked about the Canucks in alignment this year. He was asked about his relationship with John Schneider, and he talked about how good it was, and was asked, like, how were you guys able to, you know, be such a good tandem for so long? No egos, no this, no that. And he said, because we both realized it was the most important part of the program. That if we didn't get along, that if we were dysfunctional, everything else fell apart. So they both looked at each other and you knew whatever we do in this room the two of us that is going to have an effect on so many people in our church and talking to some Seahawks fans yesterday they talked about how he made following the team so so much fun you want know you want know the funny not thing not just is? the winning which of course in and of itself is fun just everything about the team was fun so he's there for 14 years. I've got a 13-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. They were good in her toddler years mm-hmm. when they started to get good. So I was watching a lot of Seahawks games. From the yep. time she was, she could speak, she she learned that was Pete. Yep. To this day, now as a teenager, she looks at the thing, hey, there's Pete. She, she knows Pete. Like, he, he became a face of the franchise. Right. He became a oh. – in this neck of the woods, he's just a, a face of the sport in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, so, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a special place in my heart for Pete. When I first moved here in December of 07, my first week I was covering a Seahawks team. Now, this is before Pete, but then Pete came in, and suddenly I found myself watching this team and cheering for it. He's a, he's a welcoming Oh, is he ever? Face, you know. Is he ever? Now – and I could very well be proven wrong on this, perhaps in a matter of hours. Who knows? But I think he's done coaching at age 72. That would be the question. Belichick's not. Belichick is not. Saban says he is. But I think Pete's done coaching. And the reason being is he got asked a question yesterday about a moment in your coaching career, and he cited something at USC. And to me, that spoke to a guy who was reflective over the entirety of his coaching career, not just necessarily his years with Seattle. And then he was asked a follow-up question. Okay, well, what about here in Seattle? And he cited the Beastquake game because nobody, remember, kind of an ugly duckling Seahawks team. Nobody thought they could win. How dare, they shouldn't even be in the playoffs. And then Marchand breaks off that run. Crazy run. Seismic activity in the city of of Seattle, and uh, and from that point on, they were a winning operation. Now I, I understand the the guess that he's not coaching again, but he did say, "I mean, we'll see what we'll see what's coming. Yeah. We'll see what's coming." You know, like yeah. I I I, I, I was well, coaching to keep this job. The you bottom know? line, and he also said he didn't know on Monday when he met the team. He was pushed out. Yeah, they, yeah, they announced it as mutual, but I think he was pushed out here. And then he gave an incredible answer when asked about. The last few years, and he talked about how they lost their edge to be great. And he specifically cited defense, and he's a defensive coach. 
and he even chastised the group about, you know, run the ball in a cloud of dust. And, you know, he reiterated, that's my program. We're going to be great on defense and we're going to run the ball. Why? Because those are the best ways not to lose the game. It's very difficult to get the great quarterback in and win because of the quarterback. So your job as a coach, and Wally will tell you this too, don't screw it up for the players. How best do you not screw it up for the players? Make sure you're sound on defense. Make sure you're not getting beat over the top with long plays. Run the football, shorten the game, make sure you're in it in the fourth quarter. And he talked about how they lost that formula. And he even talked about how he and Schneider basically failed to identify those players on the personnel side that would allow them to continue using that formula, which, again, to me was incredible, honestly, incredible introspection and understanding that, yeah, maybe it's time to go because of that. So, anyways, the other thing that was clear yesterday watching that, Blake, he would have stayed there all day. Oh, yeah. How much he enjoyed that. And that's a part of coaching that some of them just don't get. You've got to be able to communicate with the people who support the enterprise. And Pete Carroll understood that as good or better, I think, than any NFL head coach I've ever seen. And and, and I know people laugh at, at like the John Tortorella clip from yesterday about him eviscerating the guy uh, who attached Kevin Hayes to the Go Chase story. And people laugh at all that. But to be clear, the Seahawks are in a pretty media-savvy market, too with pressure to win like it is the number one sport they are the canucks right like different sport there but that's the one that they talk about 24 7 on sports talk radio the mariners america's pastime no airtime never mind kraken it's all about the seahawks the media pressure there is immense but look at the relationship he has with the people in that room with the media it doesn't have to be my way or the highway guns blazing it doesn't right there it doesn't have to be you're with us or against right right there are a lot of shades of gray and and pete understood that just fabulous like was he ever ill-tempered in the face of a bad loss or a bad question no no second and dumb like why because he's not dumb he was able to take that on with grace and class and everything because he's not insecure no that's the other thing and he threw support behind behind John Schneider, so you you do wonder whether there is now a new model in Seattle where there is a GM and executive who's going to have the final say and hire his own coach. But I, I loved what you said yesterday. I mean, you knew with Pete Carroll you had a base level of competency that the, the program wasn't going to be a circus, that you were going to win your fair share of games, and that you weren't going to embarrass the community. Yeah. This is a huge hire for the Seahawks. Yeah. And it is a very short list of people who are better football coaches than Pete Carroll. And frankly, the same applies in New England right now. And the same applies in Alabama. Like the New England Patriots and Alabama football have been the two standards within their given sports. And they are both looking for head coaches right now. How do you follow Belichick? How do you follow Saban? And to a similar degree, how do you follow Pete Carroll? Good luck to all. <laughs> uh, this stat from Field Yates. The other 31 franchises since the time that Bill Belichick has been the Patriots head coach, 
have combined for 213 head coaches. Mm -hmm. 213. Well, he's just... And the rumors are already out there. Adam Schefter mentioned the Atlanta Falcons. You would think that Arthur Blank, who has gone through a lot of sort of nondescript guys who he's given chances to, whether he now thinks, okay, let's go out and get somebody more proven. Mike Florio mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. If Mike McCarthy and America's team stumbles in the playoffs, says, okay, we need a finisher. Let's go get Belichick. He's been linked to the Washington Commanders and the L.A. Chargers as well. So I think we'll see. Uh, we'll hear from Belichick uh, shortly. The other two, I, I, wonder. I wonder. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Gosh, if anybody is made to be on television talking football, I would hope one of the networks see fit to see if Pete is willing to give up his time. I want Pete up. to go and golf and lay in the sun somewhere. I'm not done hearing from him. No, it's true. But you know, as, as somebody tweeted yesterday, Bel- or this morning, Belichick, Carroll, and Saban in a 24-hour period, your childhood is over, kids. That's sort of how I feel about it. They've been such mm-hmm. standards in that sport. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. Fantastic spot to catch the game throughout the season. Quick walk to, to the rink stadium. Go-to spot for food, drinks, fun, before or after the game. Make it a game night at Greta, 40 West Cordova, or at gretabar.com. Hey, 4 o'clock game tonight. We'll talk to Patrick Johnson. Lots of topics there. Jake Gensel, Elias Pedersen, status report, lotto line. Is it the best way to go? Patrick says, hey, they've got to go for it this year. We talked Brock Besser with him. Sidney Crosby, where he ranks on our personal list of greatest ever hockey players. And Corey Perry whether the Canucks should be interested. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy, on Gensel, on how many Canucks are going to wind up making this all-star team. And uh, how many teams have a better chance at the Cup than Vancouver right now? Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. You driving the uh, Q50? No, QX. QX50. QX60. Yes. Don't short change me or my ride. Well, I, I, I don't. Very have big. Any. Very spacious. I don't have any details on the QX60. You get QX50. Oh. Financing from zero percent. Recommend that one also. Lease from two point nine nine percent. Fifteen hundred dollar bonus cash. Same thing for the QX55, by the way. And then the Q50, you can finance or lease it from 0%. No charge winter tires. How's that strike you? Oh, yeah. You'll need them here as soon as this afternoon. It's all good at Applewood. Applewood Infinity Richmond. I think that QX60 uh, would even fit the price brood. Yes. It probably would. Poll question today. Will Will Jake Gensel be a Canuck? Yes or no? You can vote. At Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. We'll put it to our next guest, Patrick Johnson of the province. And post media. Happy New Year, New Year. How are you? I'm I'm great. Haven't I been here? Oh, you're back. That's oh, right. I've been. It's like I've been here. Oh, Matt. Yes. Happy New Year, Matt. Thought yes. I was still in the window here. My bad. I'll put myself on errors and omissions. <laughs> Having a lovely, lovely time. You know, you were at the beach and all of that. Mm-hmm. And welcome yeah. Back. Yeah. Thank you. Looking uh, fresh. Emily Kaplan. Thank you. A little bit of tan here. ESPN's Emily Kaplan says, "Very real chance that Jake Gensel is going to be on the move." Next few weeks are going to be right. crucial. Uh, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins are an aging hockey club. And, of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins 
are, uh, well, in a dog fight here um, yeah. to make the Stanley Cup playoffs and not looking very good. What do you think? Rutherford, Alvin, they've done so much shopping from Pittsburgh already. Are they going to go to that well again on Gensel? <laughs> yeah, the, the the Pittsburgh, the deep Pittsburgh well. Um, I, sure, absolutely possible. I noticed this. The I noted this um, the other day. Absolutely, player. You know, I think it's still challenging. I I think the Penguins aren't. I mean, they're they've pulled themselves into a decent spot. Like, obviously, it's a dog fight. Um, they've won a bunch. They're plus fifteen in goals goes for and against like that that's not anything to sniff at like, good indicator yep. right they're playing really well defensively I, I if things go really sideways yeah sure i just i have a hard time seeing them unless there's something coming back that makes the team better and jake Gensel is so pretty great yeah no he is so, uh, so let's get into it then uh yeah kuzmanko I don't think there could be any interest in Kuzmenko. No, I just don't think he's a player that Kyle Dubas is interested in. Okay, this goes way back. This goes way back to when they were first chasing. You know, when he was first coming over. Mm-hmm. You know, this was just not a player that fit what they what what that what he wants. And I I don't think I don't think he'd actually as weird as it sounds. Like, what is he going to add if, if that? You know, if Gensel's on the move, sure, great, maybe. But I just he's a downgrade from Gensel. I just don't think he's a player they're interested in. He's a placeholder. He'd be a placeholder. Well, I mean, theoretically, he would replace some of the Gensel offense because yeah. he is that sort of player. Yeah. And and needless to say, uh, you know, well, they... he's a fin- you know finisher. But I, he's just Gensel's a Gensel. I mean, you can see why Rick Tockett would want to re- get Rick, like Jake Gensel, right? Like he's mm-hmm. like who gets on the puck and gets it done. And we've heard mm-hmm. the frustrations he had with Andre Kuzmenko. Like Gensel is is a very different player in that regard. So right. I just it. it I, I don't think, unless there's some extra thing and he's a throw-in, I just don't see him okay. being a player well, that Kyle Dubas is interested Of course, he would help balance salaries as well. Um, so then we're looking at what? Oglander and either Wielander, Lekramaki, or a first-round yeah. player, right? Something yeah, in that, that range? You're, that's where you're back, exactly, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, exactly. You know, if, like I say, Kuzmenko's a throw-in because you're trying to make the cap stuff work or something. But mm-hmm. but even then, I don't think he's a player that, you know, you're probably going to have to pay to get, you know, to move into such a trade. But, yes, you're talking about a guy like Hoaglander. You're talking about uh, one of those prospects. Um you know, maybe the price of Kuzmenko is that what is going to be a very late first round pick. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's all to pay. I mean, you're, you obviously so, would like, you're hoping to resign Gensel, but like, where are you going to bet him? You know, no, I know. How much raises he after? And, and, and the Canucks don't have another salary that really works in this regard. Right. So then let me throw it at you. Kuzmenko, Hoaglander in the first round pick. Would you do that if you're Rutherford or LB? I Yeah, I think so because you're trying to win the Stanley Cup. Like you need another forward, right? You're at that point now. Uh, it, we've been saying this for weeks, but like they really do. Like we can see it. Look, it, lot of line is awesome, and that's great. And and you know if that's something you really want to roll with, well, I mean that's obvious. You need another forward in in the second line. You need to improve your second line. Ideally, you get a center. Gensel's obviously not a center. Um, and then, or what Gensel lets you do is you put you can put you can split Miller and Petey back up, right? I mean that 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 the options it gives you. Are, are impressive and, and you know part of the story with the kuzmenko thing is that he was meant to be the guy for Pedersen, right like that was supposed to be you had your essentially miller besser Pedersen, kuzmenko and it hasn't worked so not only do you need a fetcher for the miller 
Besser line that was an upgrade on whoever you've been putting there. But now you need someone to play with with Pedersen. While getting Getzel does get you the guy that you can play with Pedersen. Yeah. What, do you, what do you mean? The only problem there is then you're splitting up lotto line. Okay, yeah. Gensel, let's say Gensel Mikheyev with Pedersen, Besser, sure. Miller, and then you don't have the Hoaglander option there. Are we back to Di Giuseppe? Like, who are we playing there? But, well, I mean. Unless you're going to uh, break up the uh, Bluger Garland Joshua line. Well, you're assuming Gensel, Pedersen, and Mikheyev at that point? Mm-hmm. And then Besser Miller, but then who's your other winger? Like now you're back to what PDG Lafferty, yeah, something like that. So I'm yeah. not sure that gets you further ahead. The, um, the thing but, about this in the end is that if you're going, you know, you have to go for it, right? Like the, these are why we're saying the Canucks aren't quite there in the big picture. Like despite the performance, they're still. But the point is, you know, if you were able to get an upgrade on Kuzmenko, like you are a lot closer to where you need to be. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the sort of who plays on the win, you know, is a bit of a like, OK, right. What are we really kind of worried about here at that point? Yeah, but, that's why. Well, no, what I'm saying is you, you're light on wingers to begin with. So you're yeah. trading two for one, which increases the quality, but hurts the so I, and, I, the, yeah. and the and the Hoaglander element. Right. Like here's a guy who has performed this year. Right. Like he has been a for whatever reason, he's been down Rick Tockett's depth list, but he keeps producing, right? Like, he's been doing what you need to do. It's not like he's he's scoring these sort of lucky fluke goals. I mean, obviously, maybe he's riding a bit of a shooting percentage bender, but, like, he's done everything you need to do. He's been the four-checker you need. He's been the finisher, the depth finisher you need. Um, and so, if you, you know, you are moving... If you move him and Kuzmenko, like, you are... You're now down a winger than one of your at least one of your better wingers, one of your better depth wingers. Like Lafferty's great. That's fine. Works hard. PDG, I mean, who knows when he's back, but like works hard. Great. But, you know, Hoaglander is the most talented of that bunch. And and that's the, that's the price. So I think, you know, to come back to the original question, do you do that trade? Yeah. I think you, you, you're going to have to think long and hard about it because you're getting the best player in the trade, right? Like that's the way to always think about it, right? Who gets the best player? Jake Gensel would be the best player in a trade that's structured like that. First pod Colson and Kuzmenko doesn't work. Is that right? I don't know. I have no idea where. I mean, I think I would. I the way Pup Colson's been kind of making it work in the AHL. I have to think their team's interested, but I don't think his value is terribly high right now. Yeah. He's a sell, you're selling low on that guy, right? I mean, yeah. as we've talked about before, like if anything, it's the Canucks that would like to maybe like to add him. You know, there's enough interest there. I think I think Rick Tockett has longstanding interest in him, um, but he's clearly also not a priority because we haven't seen him come up yet. Yeah. Yeah, they want to let him cook. As we expected, Jim Rutherford did sit down with a reporter in Pittsburgh and talk about things. Nothing too explosive, and there's some reading between the lines on this pining for Sidney Crosby, which was uh, a little bit interesting. Uh, Anything else catch your eye uh, in the article, though? Well, I mean, the Sidney Crosby thing stood out to me because it's a guy that always gets talked about, and you can understand why. Like, he is the, the, the lesson that has continually been hammered here, clamored home here. Since uh, since Rutherford and, and Alvin arrived was the, the the model professional like the guy that shows up and goes to work every day and is just working harder every day um, and that's why he's one of the greatest players of all time right like that that's been it so so the lesson there is is that getting up and making yourself better getting up and making yourself better what am I going to do today what am I going to do today and and you know you think back i thought back to that first press conference at the end of the the 21-22 season um you know when when they put them the the gauntlet down and said to their star players like you guys 
that's great what you've done, but like you're nowhere, and we think you can be a whole lot better. And look at Quinn Hughes. I mean, that's look where Quinn Hughes has taken himself this year, right? Like, what an example of a player doing exactly that Crosby thing, which is making himself better, making himself better, making himself better, taking himself to a new tier. Um, you know, Elias Pettersson last year, maintaining it this year. Brock Besser, you know, it, it was funny last couple of weeks ago, J- Jeff and I were talking to, to Brock and I, I was trying to get Brock to say, you know, like I basically wrote this thing about greasy goals and it felt like he was getting more pucks around the net. And I said that he goes, no, 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 just luck. And you're like, come on, Brock, like give yourself some credit here. Like, <laughs> um, but, but I think that, you know, there's another player, like there's the, the, the success stories this season are all about exactly that Crosby ethos and that, that desire to get up every day and become a better player at the end of the day than you were when you got up. Let me ask you both. Is Sidney Crosby on your podium of best hockey players you've ever seen? And I mean, player, not talent. So resume and career matters. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's Gretzky, like, Lemieux, Crosby. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like, we forget, I mean, it's, he's been around so long now. Right. But we forget about what he was like in that sort of 07, 08, 09, 10 window. Right. Like, that that first Stanley Cup for Pittsburgh, um, the the gold medal, then that second wave in you know sixteen seventeen when Rutherford won the Stanley Cup with with that group and um, just the, the never ending. He the thing about him is that he's just he's just be, he beats you with his relentlessness and his precision, right? Like he's not he's not Connor McDavid. He's not going to skate you off the ice, but he's just never going to quit and. And the skills incredible, the vision's incredible, the reads, you know, everyone talks about the, the, the ability. Remember the remember the story? Oh, he's difficult to play with. Like, no, he's not difficult to play with. Keep your stick on the ice, keep your feet moving. Like that's that's the lesson. He's gonna give you chances to score that other players are just not gonna be able to do. I'm gonna revise um, my and, answer. And my answer is no. My answer is no. I, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. Okay, but no. I, I mean, in terms of don't like, tell me Ovechkin. No, no, but if, if on the podium of all-time players that I've no, seen, no, no. that you've well, seen, like in person, you mean? Well, no. So, no one on this conversation is old enough to have seen Bobby Orr. Right. We all maybe saw Gordy Howe at the end of his career, but yeah. that was not the real Gordy. No, Howe. Gretzky, Lemieux, and McDavid. You sir, you're gonna put McDavid yeah. ahead of Crosby. Yeah, he's he's more gobsmack. He's more gobsmacking wow. to me than he, he's more gobsmacking. But he has, I mean, he hasn't even appeared. In the cup final. Sydney's got three of them. Uh, incidentally, he's also got the biggest goal in the history of Vancouver. Yes. Yes, he does. I think, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you can't penalize McDavid for never even being picked for Canada because that's not his fault. No. Um, or, or the team thing. It's, it's what the team it, thing. I mean, well, like, no. But I just, no, I go with Crosby. Just, 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 it's so close. Like, it, you, you aren't wrong. I think Blake isn't wrong for saying McDavid over Crosby. But in answering the question, I, I'm comfortable saying Crosby. Yeah, Crosby I, I mean, I think McDavid may get ever. there. I yeah. think McDavid would get. In fact, I would expect he's, McDavid. He's probably. To get. I think. He, I actually think he's already there. Like, I think it is a toss-up answering the question. But I'm, I'll stick with McDavid. We or, I, with Crosby. Crosby. Yeah. Me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Answer me this. Uh, Elias Pettersson didn't want to talk contract this year. Yep. Nope but allowed his agent to at least meet with the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. They meet, it gets public, he's pissed off and has now yep. shut down everything till the end of the year. Is that the story as you understand it? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I, I mentioned my story last week. Like I talked to Pat Brisson. Like he said things were quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been pretty consistent every time I've asked. But are they intentionally quiet, Patrick? Like I don't know. Like, that's do what think, I'm gonna say. Yeah. yeah, that 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 part, I it's not clear. All I'm saying is, is that you know, for all the chatter and the noise that's been out there, anytime I've ever inquired, it's been the same answer, which is that things are quiet. We're playing it slow. Um, Br- Brisson is obviously the point man on this, but Barry, JP Barry, the partner, yeah. obviously walked that back a little bit. I thought with Ray and Drake's, uh, that he's yeah. You know, he said that it, it may be time. So, like, it, there to me, that opens the door a little bit. Yeah, and it, well, and also it's a bit of a you know, it's pressure point stuff, right? Like, it's yeah. listen, look where you guys are at. Like, let's get real here. You know, Nylander's set. Look where you guys are doing. Look how important my player is to your team. Um, but but that's on you know that that to me more than anything is just I, I, is playing the sort of the PR game, which is like, hey, yeah, we're you know we're we have no problems right but you know the flip coin of that okay well why don't you move on with this um do you think the common fan cares right now no 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 and this was partly i mean i I wrote this column yesterday basically saying listen people you're allowed to have fun like i had you know i had a buddy say oh i don't know i think they're gonna and i'm like yeah probably everyone does this is this is the old lesson from presbalewski from the wire no one wins everyone loses just one team loses more slowly right like that you go back to last year like you had the leafs and and the lightning clearly destined to face each other and both of them loaded up knowing that one of them was going to fail right like like this is what happens um and 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 i the, the the way you know the cap has sort of screwed skewed our brains and obviously the understanding of sort of what a good player is and what data can tell us has has turned our understanding of hockey in a different direction but in the old days you like used to just like players and like teams you know yeah. i like this guy and i think I, I really want to sort of underline that that get back to that mentality like it is okay to understand about your players like obviously data is important and understanding what the team is that you like why they are doing things so well you know it's important to understand that but like have some fun like let's you know let let yourself loose let yourself live a little and and um and i i think that's that is the average fan right the average fan wants to go to a game and have a good time and they're having a good time this year and and they'll be like oh uh pedersen doesn't have a contract oh okay well i'm sure they'll get him signed right like that's your mm-hmm. casual fan yep. and, you're and right. there there is a there is a wisdom to that and a, a zen to that that i think i think is worth learning from a little bit you're allowed to have. I mean, fun. obviously, our job is to talk about it all, right? Like, I, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I do, I do try to think a lot about that. Those fans who just want to see the, you know, they want to have some fun, and you know, they're hoping every year. You know, there are still Canucks fans that say, "Oh, maybe this is the year," and the dedicated Canucks fan goes, "No, this is it's never the year." But well, know, the reason the I middle, asked was I was I was trying to wonder, like, what do they at some point? anytime soon i think eventually you do get to this point but like are they feeling any public pressure to sign the player because people are so damn worried about it but i I don't think i don't think it doesn't feel like they are i don't think they are and i don't think we're there yet and i think i think at the end of the day i think that also that that you know the manager group has conducted itself so well on the whole that they bought themselves some runway on that you know i think this this for the jim benning group there would be a lot of pressure right like people right. would be talking about it a lot because you wouldn't have confidence it'd get done well that's it yeah I, I think i think you're exactly and that that 
that it goes back to why Rutherford in the end was the great pick was that people, he, he restored some confidence in what was going on. And it took some time, but look where we are two years down the road, right? Like we're talking quite positively about them. And when they first showed up, we were still very cynical about all this. And I think, you know, that there is a reason for all that. And which was that the runway that was before, what was the path that was traveled before was so poor. There was no reason to have any confidence. We said now, from the beginning with this, with with the oh, you guys are so negative thing to the Canucks uh, media. We talk about what's in front of us, you yeah. know, like like when they're good, we're gonna say they're good. When they're bad, yeah. we're gonna say they're bad. So we're yeah. saying they're good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that you know goes back to the point I was making earlier. Like, yeah, it's okay to enjoy this, you know, yeah. like have mm-hmm. some fun. It's okay to have fun, but don't you get cocky. Johnson. You're, oh my right. god. Don't you dare get cocky and turn the rest of the NHL world. That's the fun part. Right? That's what Wyshynski doesn't get is they, they get off on that. Connects Twitter loves the rest of the oh. league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's remember Connects Twitter is not what it was either. Like the whole, I mean, the whole that whole enterprise. We 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 have not enough time to discuss the decline and collapse of is it feature though, not about social media site. I'm no, with no. I'm with Blake. I think Canucks Twitter is Razor Ramon. Say hello to the bad guy. You know. <laughs> um, okay. All right. <laughs> is Lotto Line the best way for them to deploy their forwards? Uh I I mean, in the short term, yes. Um, they're doing everything right and. Like, you want to talk about playing, quote, the right way, just go look at the lotto line right now, right? Like, they're just spending all their time in the offensive zone. They're they're playing smart. They're, I mean, that that Pedersen goal in, was it New York, when he, he picked up the rebound and tucked it around, you know, like, like that's patience. And a lot of what we see with, with, with the talk and approach has been, don't, don't take that. Sh- I mean, they talk about shooting, but like, don't take that shot just because. And the lotto line has been a plus in in that mentality, in not just firing the puck. Oh, maybe it'll be a rebound. Like, no, let's make this as good as it could be. And you know, at some point, you know, I assume they're going to ride this as long as it's going hot. At some point, it's going to cool down a little bit. But you know, two of the players on that line are in the top ten in NHL scoring. So. Uh, you know, Brock Besser's not far behind. It's, so a, I, it's a way, but it's not the only way. If it was the only, it's not way, the only way, they would they would never yeah. would have been broken up in the first place, right? So, like, eventually things well, go stale and you change. No, but so. Patrick's right. I mean, you lead the league in goals and you're 28th in shots. You're shooting with purpose. Yeah, you're yeah. shooting with intention. This is yeah, and there, you know, listen, that's to some the of the mouth and let's scramble. No, that's yeah. that's not how they roll. And, and that's been some of the debate about, you know, the PDO stuff, which is totally valid, right? Because the Canucks continue to shoot at a rate that is far and above anything that's ever basically happened in, like, recent memory. And our our understanding of how this works says that, that some of those goals are going to dry up. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the, the fact that you are passing up on the sort of flute goal, in many ways, that's kind of what they're doing. If you fling it at net, sometimes it just goes in, right? But but the Canucks are actually passing up, and they're, they're getting – they're sort of, it's almost like they're juicing their chances. Um, and like I said, that's why the lotto line playing quote the right way has been so effective for them. These, you know, four games or whatever it is. Um, but like the reality is that the teams will adjust and they'll start thinking, Oh, that's what these guys are doing. And that's when the challenge comes. And 
do they stick with it? I don't know. But I think it, it all comes back to the very first question, which was, do they pick up Jake Gensel or do they pick up, I don't know, like a name I think is interesting is Vladimir Cherisenko. I think he'd be very interesting on this team. Um, that's another, I mean, I don't, that's just me speculating. Let me throw, let me no throw another name at you. Would you, that's, would, yeah. would you, or would they do Corey Perry? I, I don't, I, I don't think I, I listen, there's a lot obviously in that player, but I think there's just so much baggage there with what happened or what may or may not have happened. Obviously someone is going to sign him. Um, I just don't think, I don't think it'll be worth it for the sort of noise that will come out. Especially in this um, market. Pretty, you know, that's what pretty, I mean. Pretty progressive yeah, market. market. Yeah. 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 But not a, I don't think it's a particularly progressive president of hockey operations. No, it's true. I, I don't think he, yeah, it's possible. I think it's impossible. Yeah. yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it's impossible. I just, I just, I'm not sure that's going to, but it's about awareness of where you are. Right. I mean, I think he has that. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think it's impossible. I, I just don't have, I don't, I, I, I yeah. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Pretty talkative. I, I don't, that's why I ask. He's pretty talkative. Well, that's it. I think there's. <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. I think there's a different free agent winger out there that they are more interested in, and I think, you know, he's a guy they know already. Care to share names? Well, I mean, you can. Oh, Gensel. <laughs> no, he's a free agent. He's a free oh, agent. Castle. Oh, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> Castle four checks. Okay. They put him on your fourth line, and you can play him on your power play. You know he's. You got that with Kuzmenko. Yeah, I was gonna say you have Phil Kessel. <laughs> yeah, you have Phil Kessel, and this one's more he's fit, younger, and Russian. <laughs> uh, marvelous stuff. Thank you for this. Until next week. Take care, guys. So, Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com, Blake. I'm going to lead us off. Chris Johnson at Reporter Chris can confirm that Corey Perry is eligible to sign with any NHL team as a free agent after having his contract terminated by the Blackhawks on November 30th. He would need to sign by the March 8th trade deadline in order to be eligible for this year's playoffs. Carlo Koliakovo in Toronto has reported that the there's mutual interest between the Leafs and Perry. What do you think with the Canucks? Could he help? Um, I, he's the kind of uh, trade deadline acquisition that really does help uh, a team going through its first playoff um, run, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, again, we're going to throw out the the bubble for a number of reasons. Um, but I don't think they want the headache. I really don't. Um, you know, this team's got enough little stories going around it, like the Pedersen contract and, and mm-hmm. such. So uh, Kuzmenko to some degree. Like, I don't think they want to invite new distraction. Mm-hmm. And he's a distraction. Like, it, they've got a lot of things cooking right now. The culture has changed in there. Do they want to inject that guy? Mm. I, I think the answer is no, despite the fact on the ice, I think he's exactly what they would want. 124 points and 196 <laughs> First of all, 196 Stanley Cup playoffs. Can you games. believe that? Jesus. He was five points in six games for the Lightning last year in their series loss. Yeah. Is he a Hall of Famer for you guys? Yeah, probably. 
892 points in 1,273 games. Is he only 892 points? He's only 892. Oh, I would have thought that's higher. You How know, many goals? He's never been a huge point producer. There was the 98-point season in 2010-2011. 421. Yeah. Oh, I'd take it back. No, I don't think those totals no. are enough. I would have thought he's a 1,000-point guy for sure. Hmm, interesting. Just the one cup? Did he get one with Tampa Bay? Nope. Oh, right. He was with Montreal that one year where they played Tampa Bay. Remember, he, he signed with Dallas, signed with Montreal. Right, 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 right. He was chasing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That close. And then signed with Tampa Bay, and then the, that was the year they lost to yeah. Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. So he lost three straight finals. Is that uh, – and that's part of what got him to 196 playoff games. Yeah. He's playing 27, 22, 23 in consecutive years. Wow. And one of those years he played 82 as well in the regular season. He was nine points in 16 games with the Blackhawks, which really isn't all that bad, considering how brutal the Blackhawks were. He was 25 points in 81 games last year with Tampa. He's got a league MVP, though. Yep. Scored 50. But but his Mm -hmm. league MVP sort of sticks out as a, hey, career, everything came together. For sure. sure. His next best year, 82 points. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think he is a Hall of Fame player. I'll take it all back. Take it all back. Um, first one for me, at Softy KJR, Pete Carroll is the greatest head coach in Seattle sports history, college or pro. End of the greatest run in this city's yeah. history. That's a great he, – he's sports talk guy mm-hmm. down there, folks. He, that's a great sports talk. Wow. You know. it, it, except in the case of that town. It's not a long list. No, probably true. Of course, and never won anything in baseball. Sonic Championship. Sonic Championship. So Lenny, Lenny, Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. Don James, national championship with the Huskies in 91. And then Mike Holmgren getting the Hawks to a yeah. Super Bowl. Chuck Knox, I know, is beloved in that town, but they were never a Super Bowl team. I believe got to a. AFC championship game. Yeah. Remember the Seahawks were once in the AFC. Always. Oh, I mean, it's over Lenny. Yeah. By a country mile, I think. At Mark Rowe TV, Australian Open draws out two seeded Canadians. Leila Annie Fernandez is the 32nd and final seed on the women's side. She'll play a qualifier. Felix Auger-Alassim, the 27th seed. Yeah. Well, not a good year last year. We chronicled well, that. Yeah, I mean, and he was the best of the lot. Yeah. He's playing 2020 U.S. Open champ Dominic Team in the first round. Jeez, really? Jeez, what a horrible oh. draw. And the unseated Sh- Chapo gets a qualifier. The unseated Chapo gets a qualifier. Milos Raonic versus the 10th seed, Alex D. Menor. No BB and rescue. Rebecca Marino, Vancouver's Rebecca Marino, has reached the final round of Aussie Open qualifying. She'll play fellow Canadian Catherine Seaboff Thursday. So there will be another Canadian in the draw, whether it's Marino or Seaboff, which would make five. It's just no momentum for anybody, though. So it's, you know, let's hope they get off to a good start this year. Give us something to talk about. Calling it now. One of these Canadians surprises us with a little bit of a run here. At the Aussie? Yep. I hope you're right. 
At our Westhead, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment makes it official, announcing European Tour CEO Keith Pelly is the sport holding company's new president and CEO. He will start his job April 2nd. Acting CEO and CFO Cynthia Devine will uh, retire from her role at MLSC that, uh, at that time. Um, he's been in charge of Rogers. He's been in charge of TSN. He's been in charge of the Argos once before, too. Yeah, president of the Argos at one point. Um uh, the reason I, I bring this one, something's going to happen. Like Keith doesn't just go there as a placeholder. Mm-hmm. Like he, what he did at the European Tour, he made a he made team events, he made nighttime events, he he did all sorts well, of weird he stuff. Sold corporate sponsorship to the name of the tour, yeah, right? Yeah. DP World Tour. Yeah. So now people on the other side of the pond would say he turned the Euro Tour into a feeder system for the PGA Tour. But frankly, I think that was going to happen anyways. Right. I mean, it's like saying there's we've, a juggernaut uh, tour. You're gonna you're gonna be up against it. We've both worked for him. He's a bundle of energy. Yep. Turned sixty today, but he's still a bundle of energy. We've had him on the show before. But he, a lot of people are also drawing the line here. He was a part of Rogers when they signed this twelve year deal. Oh yes, he was. And now he's a a player again on the. He's a player mm-hmm. in in the next deal. He's mm-hmm. going to be a voice, a loud voice yeah. in the next deal. You know what I will say, though, about Keith? And I like the guy a lot personally, uh, and he's been helpful in my career. The Olympic Consortium. Yeah. He brought a lot of disparate and sometimes rivalrous people together to form what I thought was a pretty successful a good group. Yeah. Uh, covered, uh, covering the 2010 Vancouver Whistler Olympics. The key thing for people to remember, too, Bell and Rogers both own right. a piece of MLSE. So in some regards, he's kind of perfect because you'll have people in both companies who know him but also and trust him. Are we seeing a next NHL deal where finally there's national games on both networks? Like is is, well, is again, he going to be the the, the big the, the voice? The one thing that the one thing that Bettman achieved by going exclusively to Rogers is he proved to the Bell Media folks they can survive a okay without the NHL. In yeah. fact, perhaps even better given what it costs. And they taught the Rogers guys we can't make a deal like this ever again. Yeah. So I think I think we're going to see a very different mm-hmm. national NHL deal. Lastly, for me at Nuclear Golf, living that Lulu life, Min Woo Lee has signed a clothing deal with Lululemon, Vancouver's Lululemon. The first deal that brand has made with a men's PGA Tour pro. I thought somebody else was there. Okay. Perhaps on the LPGA side, Hmm. but not on the men's side. They do it like when you walk in the store, they mark it. A lot of their shirts as golf shirts, so mm-hmm. like they, it's not that part isn't new. Minwoo Lee is an Australian from Perth. His parents immigrated from Korea. He's number thirty-four in the world. Finished fifth at last year's U.S. Open. He's a three-time winner on the Euro Tour. His sister Minji Lee is a pretty good player on the LPGA Tour. And Blake, here's the thing: he has an incredible swing. Like violence and torque, the likes of which you don't see a whole. Like think of John Rahm and how easy it is, or Ernie Els. Mm-hmm. Think of the exact opposite. That's Min Woo Lee. I do actually wonder whether they saw the swing and went, 
that fits our brand in terms of activewear. Mm. Yeah, you need you need something with some stretch. You need something that's got a little bit of give when you watch Min Woo Lee swing the driver. They're comfortable shirts. I've worn them. Uh, they, they are. Yeah. Uh, and here's what I wonder. Is this going to be the first of many for Lulu? Yeah, I think it probably is. Uh, I'm available, by the way. At FOS Front Office Sports, the promoters behind Mr. Irrelevant have announced the Irrelevant Bowl, a bowl game for the worst two teams in college football. Oh, my God. The event is looking for a host city and would have featured Akron versus Vanderbilt this season. Yeah. Quote, no polls, no rankings, so they're not- no controversy. Oh, wow. But well, as people point well, out, as people, no, there is a debate. Year to year, who's the worst? But here's the here's the thing: is this is just making fun, Mister Irrelevant? While it sounds like you're making fun, is still celebrating the fact you got drafted into the National Football League. Like you're you're last place of a huge important class of people, draftees into the National Football League. Like, there's a whole category that's way bigger that don't get drafted into the NFL. So you're still getting celebrated to some degree. Here, you're not getting celebrated. You are 0-14, and you're just being made fun of. So it's a very different vibe than Mr. Irrelevant. As you know, I'm a big NFL draft, Nick, and I've always hated the name. Like, capital H, hated the name. B. Because here's the thing, like it's really hard to get drafted. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's an accomplishment. Well, and, and here's the other thing, Brock Purdy is a Mister Irrelevant. Chad Kelly of the Argos is he? Is he? Yeah. Mister Irrelevant. You have had guys. Ryan Suckup had a terrific career kicking. Was a Mister Irrelevant. You've had guys who have gotten drafted here who have gone on to really good careers. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of undrafted free agents who go on to really good careers, too. And I, nobody in Akron or Vanderbilt is likely to make the National Football League. Prob- Probably mean, not. I, I mean, I'm sure they'll have some guys in camps, but yeah, they're, they're not exactly football powers, although Vanderbilt plays them <laughs> for some reason. And that's hashtags for today. <laughs> Joined now by Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy, the National Sports Center of the Daily Five, and it's offside sports article. And uh, we're talking Jake Yetzel today, Rob, the Canucks playing in Pittsburgh Thursday. What do you think? He's apparently available. You know how they love them, some Penguins. Will he be a Canuck? First of all, this is the first time in how long that we legitimately are talking about bringing in like big time rentals. For the Canucks, I'm thinking back to like 2015. Even that, no, remember? no, to Foley. Let's not forget to Foley. He was the biggest rental available when the Canucks acquired him from the Kings in what was that, 2019, 2020? Sure, but I think it was kind of a surprise that they did that, and I think that the fan base was quite divided on, you know, whether that was a good move. Like, was this the time to be to be to be selling future assets to bring in a rental? And I, I recall. 2015 people talking about like okay they've got what was it like brad richardson and sean matthias so like should they be trading those guys off so like there was a bit of division like this is the first time i feel like since it's got to be 2013 like more than 10 years that kind of everyone's sort of i feel like everyone's kind of in agreement like okay this is a team worth 
you know, spending future assets to really make a push this season. Now, you think, are you thinking Ruchinsky, Carney, and Weinrich? Are you thinking something, <laughs> something like that? Derek Roy, Derek Roy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so, so just a, a note on that, as, I, as my head's still spinning, that I, uh, you know, at the surprise that we're at this point this season. But here we are. Now, is Jake Gensel, is that too much? Like, that's my question is, what is it going to take to get Jake Gensel? Great player. Of course, he would fit in. Uh, fantastically but if you're if he's going to be a true rental if you're not actually going to be holding on to him after this season then I don't think the Canucks are in a position where they should be jumping out of their shoes I don't think that's the the path to success to be jumping out of your boots at the top available rental Uh, for me I I would like them to have a bit of an eye on the future still like try to add some pieces smartly but don't get caught up in the hoopla of trade deadline day and make a mistake that's going to cost you for the next decade. Well, everyone just, uh, I think, assumes that, you know, that the Canucks can sort of pull something off and that uh, and that everybody else will be trying to pull something off. But we also learned yesterday that there was multiple reports that the Kings are standing pat. They've got simply no cap room. The Kings will not be adding anybody at the trade deadline. And how many other teams in the mix are also going to be in that boat, it's hard to pull off deals. And I do wonder if the Penguins have all these grand plans to trade Jake Gensel for Sun, Moon, and Stars, and then realize still with a relatively flat cap for this year, and it only matters for this year, doesn't matter for next year because he's got no term going forward. You know, how many teams, like, can there really be a robust uh, market uh, even for a, a jewel like Jake Gensel? Yeah, perhaps. And if you get, if you can get him on, you know, if you can get a deal on them, then 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 of course you you've got to consider it. I think for me it, it it's what is the play after this? Is it just you you bring in Gensel, you lose Gensel? You know, I mean, the, as great a season as the Canucks are, have had, I mean, would anybody be surprised if they're out in the first round? Like that wouldn't be like a major shocker, right? Nope. Like that, um, you know, they might not even be favored in their first round series. Like time will tell. So I do think that bringing in Gensel just to have him for a, you know, a couple months and then say goodbye is not something that I'd be on board for. If you bring him in with the intention of re-signing him and maybe you've got some other moves that you're thinking about, then great. But I, I, I don't think that they should be in a position where they're just like, I, I'm not in favor of like the true rental kind of guy. Like I, like a, a, the type of deal I wouldn't mind is, you know, remember when the lease brought in, Jake Muzzin, guy in his late 20s, still under contract for a little bit. Like, that's the type of guy I think I, I'd i like, and that's the type of move I'd like to see the Canucks make where you're, okay, maybe you're, you're spending some future assets, but you're bringing in a player that is going to help you for more than just one run. Always the, how many, the role. Uh, how many teams do you think we, we've talked a little bit, a little bit about the, predictive models and where they have the Vancouver Canucks in terms of uh, a Stanley cup participant or winner. How many teams do you think at this stage of the game have better cup odds than the Canucks? It's, it's crazy to think, but I mean, there's not many, like they're, they're certainly top 10. Are they top five? Like maybe, I mean, if you're looking at the teams around the league and going, 
how many of these teams were your would you be like, oh yeah, they've got a better chance to win the cup than the Canucks? Not the Jets, who are leading the conference, right? Like the, the Jets are sort of the Canucks, right? You know, really nice story, uh, playing awesome. But do they have the pedigree that leads you to believe that they are just emphatically better or more imposing than the Canucks? No. I think I think most people, despite their recent struggles, would pick the Vegas Golden Knights over the Canucks. So that's a yeah. little scary because that's in their division. Uh, the Oilers, you know, how do, do people like the Oilers' chances better than the Canucks? Like they've got McDavid and Drysaddle, but boy, oh boy, do they also have a whole host of red flags on that on that roster? Uh, you know, chief among them, like their ability to defend and, and keep the puck out of their net. I, you know, I, I don't see a lot of teams where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's that team has got a better chance to win than the Canucks. Like, I guess so, arguable with LA, right? Like arguable with Dallas, perhaps. Like maybe you'd, you'd rank Dallas ahead of the Canucks, but boy, oh boy, there's there's there really isn't a lot of teams where you're like, okay, that team has a better chance than the Canucks. So it's like, you know, I think they're the, the, the feeling amongst Canucks management is, you know, I'd, I'd have to believe it. Their feeling is probably going to be like, why not us? Canucks Oilers guys would be exactly what this market needs. Oh, amazing. Like, like versus Alberta. Um, a rivalry again. And, and it would be five, four games. You'd have to think. Um, I mean, McDavid and Drysaddle would torch them. But the Canucks would torch the Oilers as well. Like it would, it would think, be nonsense. Uh, to answer your, uh, the question, Rob, I think Colorado and Vegas unequivocally. You might even put the Rangers there as well, Monday notwithstanding. I think Dallas, Edmonton, Carolina, Boston. I, I think you can make a case for all of them. And then Winnipeg, LA. Let's not forget Florida, right? They won the Eastern Conference. Florida, and they're rolling like thunder yeah. right now. So. Yeah, I, I hear you. Somewhere in the five to ten range, I, I can absolutely. But team people in a lot of the cities you just mentioned are looking at the Canucks, going, "Man, that team's scary, mm-hmm. <laughs> right?" Yep, yeah. we're so tainted here. Well, by, I, by think, the I mean, I think a lot of it is because the Canucks, this team hasn't really been in the playoffs, so we don't yeah. exactly know what we're going to get. Like, right. you're not going, "Oh, geez, okay, that you know that you know Miller Pedersen when they get to the playoffs, they're a different beast because we just." We've seen them once in the playoffs, right? So we don't know exactly what we're going to get. And then, I mean, they were they were excellent. You know, the Canucks' core was was very good in the in the 2020 playoffs. But you know, w- what a different playoffs those were, right? So I, I do think that there's there's a, that aspect where, and maybe maybe it's a bit of a bias where we go, okay, we've seen Vegas in the playoffs, we've seen Colorado, we've seen them lift the cup. Like we know they can get it done when it matters. We don't know what we don't know with 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 the Canucks. Uh, All-Stars. We know they have Quinn Hughes. We know they have four others that are doing very well in the voting. How many do you anticipate? And perhaps more importantly, Rob, how many will the league allow them to have? <laughs> you don't think this is going to be a Rory Fitzpatrick situation, do you? Where they, where the NHL cooks the books to keep a Canuck out of the All-Star game. Uh, it's funny because remember last week this time we were talking about uh, the fact that the Canucks will surely not have, you know, there surely is going to be multiple snubs because, you know, how many of the of the extra players are actually going to, you know, be from the same team. But we also acknowledged that we hadn't yet learned how they were going to decide the remaining spots. Like we didn't really know exactly uh, the situation. And as we've come to learn, it's just a straight vote among fans. And it doesn't seem to matter what, 
conferences, what teams um, these these players come from. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, you know what? Like, advantage goes to the big fan bases in this situation, in particular the big excitable fan bases at this moment that are active on social media. Hello, Canucks Twitter. I think they're going to put <laughs> another four Canucks uh, players into the All-Star game. It's deserving. So I think that's great. I think we've seen in the past, there's been some fan bases that have kind of pushed some players in that maybe didn't necessarily uh, deserve it. I, I recall San Jose doing that at one time. But uh, yeah, this this is a situation where I think I've, I mean, I believe when when the All Star Game is going on in Toronto, there's going to be five Canucks there, and and isn't that going to be something? Hey, you're not building First a you're not building a playoff team at the All Star Game. It's about individual performances. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike unlike uh, the awards and all that sort of stuff, this is just about flat out individual. Five Canucks deserve to be there. Right? Yeah, you know, like well, uh, first of all, they didn't tell you until then because they like it that way, Rob. They're not big on transparency and methodology. As you well know, and secondly, I'm not sure I would trust them. Like, are they citing a Pricewaterhouse Coopers or someone who's doing the accounting <laughs> here, or are they have they have they secured third party verification? Yeah, well, remains to be seen. But yeah, five definitely deserve to go, and you're absolutely right. The big fan bases do have the um, do have the advantage. Okay, Lunar New Year, and do you remember, I think it was two years ago when we first started fawning over these uh, theme jerseys. And by last year, when we saw Lunar New Year, and of course, Diwali is uh, also a part of this, as are some others, we sat there going, boy, the Canucks, if they lead the league in one category, it's these theme night jersey designs. They do that better than any other team in the National Hockey League. Uh, they're back at it again, and uh, if you want one of these Lunar New Year jerseys, you're going to have to pay up. The price has gone up, if you can believe it. Uh, people were already sort of in every every time these come out. You know, I, I post the jersey, and there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of responses that are just they're talking about the cost because they're astronomically expensive, and they were seven hundred and fifty dollars, and now they they've upped the price for this one. This is the first price increase I've seen in a little while. Uh, eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars. So, uh, a lucky number, uh, you know, for for many. But uh, I, I think they'd prefer a lower uh, lucky number than eight hundred and eighty-eight dollars with shipping. That will it breaks the one thousand dollar mark. That's probably the first time a Canucks jersey has ever been sold for over a thousand dollars. That didn't include a a uh you know wasn't a game worn jersey or wasn't a uh a player signed jersey so over a thousand dollars for these jerseys I'd, I'd love for them to i really would love for them to i, I mean the, the canucks have explained the reason why these specialty jerseys cost so much in the past they're they're not made in big batches overseas like like the the rest of uh, you know they're they're the, the main jerseys that they wear they're made locally the cost of of designing them is higher I've heard some people. I, I mean, I'm not a uh, you know, I'm not an expert in uh, in in jersey uh, design uh, in terms of uh, manufacturing, so I, I can't really verify uh, you know the legitimacy of all this. I, I'm sure it is more expensive to to make locally, but.
but I would love for them to figure out a way to make these in, you know, make bigger batches, like make these available. Like people are clamoring for these jerseys in particular, the Diwali Jersey and in particular, the Lunar New Year Jersey, you know, for obvious reasons uh, in, in Vancouver, people really yeah. want these jerseys and they can't get their hands on them. A very smart sports marketing person asked me about this several years ago. Why are they so expensive? Why don't they do them in big batches? Uh, and so I said, because they make small batches. He goes, why don't they do it in big bas- batches? And I went, I don't really know. And he goes like, are they worried about like inventory and shelf space? No, like, I think you're going to sell these things over time anyway. I think what they're worried about is, uh, that jersey being not equal to the regular jersey, but they just don't want too many of these jerseys in the bowl. They want their colors, uh, their jersey okay. to be representative. They want this to be a very niche little thing, I think, is probably it. Lastly, uh, Robert Anthem singers getting these jerseys. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Their, we'll see. There's they been, don't pay you know, them anyway. They don't give the Anthem singer a jersey? <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Uh, there's a there's a push online to get Marie Marie Huey. She's gonna be singing the anthem, and uh, I, I don't think she wants this attention. But I, she the you know I guess she mentioned that the, the the jerseys were a little expensive. So now fans are coming out and going, give Marie a a, a jersey. So we'll we'll see. By the way, friend wow. of the show, Trevor Lied designed design these jerseys again yeah, this year. Yeah. Um, he had a tap in, like when it's year of the dragon. Oh yeah. Like, come on. I, I, Trevor right. has done a wonderful job, but I, I would hope so. Uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's pretty year of the rabbit. You know, that was right. a tough one to pull off. Year and, of the, and he did and it beautifully. He, did. Yeah. he put that one on the ski jersey as well. This one, it's a dragon. Oh yeah. Can I love it. I love dragons. Marie <laughs> and Juggy and Elizabeth jerseys, please. The least you can do. Rob, you're a beauty. Every week, there's something new. There's something different. There's something just a little bit offbeat about the Rob Williams hit that we love. Thanks, buddy. Catch up next Thursday. Thank you. Secure some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Full question from Wednesday. What pace is most likely to continue in the second half? The 114 points, the 300-point players, or the 720-goal scorers? People said what, Blake? Uh, people said the three 100-point guys. Correct. Percentage? Uh, 40. 59. Oh, wow. 20 goal scorers got 30%. Only 12% on the team. To me, that was my vote. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a, it's a, a well, schedule does get tougher. I, I think a lot of people looked at that, and they've had such great health, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I would suspect those were the driving factors. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Uh, I made one reading Don LeCision's chart. He actually has the Canucks 11th best Stanley Cup odds, uh, 6th best to make the playoffs, although there's not much separating those top teams at this point in terms of certainty to make the playoffs or all but. And uh, I'm putting Grady on there for citing his GM feature on EA Sports. How dare I? Exactly. Anything else, Grady? Um, Blake mispronouncing Faisal Kamisa when oh, he referenced him and uh, mm-hmm. with a Darko rant yesterday. Mm. Okay. And, and that's that? That's that. Okay. On to Betway Bets of the Day. 
Well, maybe we could say potty mouth Sakaris. Yeah, I was a little swearing. too potty mouth yesterday. You're quite right. Who was it Clean in Chilliwack was upset at, at me or us? Uh, that was Daryl. Yeah, Daryl. You know what? My bad. Daryl, I'm going to be much. washing his mouth out with soap today. We've mm-hmm. set up a cush jar for non-on-air stuff. So, For non-on-air? Wow. Yeah. Oh my we God, can't, we can't swear in the I office? I had no chance of that. I don't make the rules. Sorry. Yes, Maybe you I just do. did. You just did. You just need to clean it up. No, it's true. Honestly, Grady, professionalism. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? Okay. <laughs> Came back to cold and... Uh, anyways. Too many darts and drinks in Mexico, and this guy's just potty-mouthing it up. It was absolutely gorgeous in Mexico. You know, like 25 gorgeous this morning. No, like 25 to 27, but with a little breeze and the occasional cloud comes by, and so, like, you're just perfect all day. There's not a cloud in the sky here. Come on. You're a Canadian, for God's sake. Then you yeah, got sunburnt again, and that's why you're swearing. No. Lobster. No. No. I did a pretty uh, responsible job this time around. Yeah, okay. No photos to prove it. Come you on, got Carmen. your bearded dragons, all the iguanas. Oh. No, she took some photos of us. She posted them. I never saw Betway bets of the day. Browns, Texans, Saturday. They kick off wild card weekend. Joe Flacco, all time. 5-0 and straight up and against the spread in wild card games. I get the sense Houston is just happy to be there. And don't get me wrong, Cleveland's happy to be there too. But at Flacco's age, you don't have many more kicks at the can. I'm going Browns minus 2.5 at Houston. Looking ahead to the Australian Open on Saturday, uh, Milos Raonic, he hasn't retired. He's no. he's going to keep on going, but he has got a tough first-round matchup against the 10th seed Alex De Manure. And um, he's a six. Six to one. I mean, so he's, wow. Like that, that's tough, but mm-hmm. it's also can hey. he put together one magical on on the fast hardcore exactly? Like this is this is the time where the servers can shine. Guys with that level of serve, yeah. on any given day, yeah, right. If it just comes together, wins every single service game. Must so. be nineteen plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us, Rinkwide, and Connects Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.